visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen. A good thing. Amen. So today I'm going to continue with a series on the church. And today, under the main theme of the church, I'm going to deal with the subject of the man of God. Everybody say the man of God. Say the man of God. We need to understand the roles, responsibilities of the man of God in the body of Christ. And also the responsibility of the people towards the man of God. Hallelujah. I believe when we understand these things fully, we'll make full use of the people God places in our lives. Hallelujah. And so, for those who put it on the podcast and everything, it's still the church, but under it into bracket, the man of God. Right? Let's capture it that way. The church, the man of God. Now, it's important for us to understand that in the body of Christ, we are all not the same. Alright? We are all not the same. We are different. We are differently gifted. And the truth is that our standings before God is not the same. Hallelujah. You see, when you accept this, it's, it's better for you. It's better for everybody. Our standings are not the same. And it is very important for us to understand that a lot of the things God will do in your life, He will do it through a man. There are things he does directly. He himself, no intermediate. He intervenes himself and does the things. But most of the time, God will do things through men. There are a lot of the things that happen in the Bible. And it's like, ah, this one, why did God need a human being? God could have done it himself. After all, he's the omnipotent God. He's the omniscient God, everything. But he uses men to do certain things. For example, God wanted to give... Elisha a double portion of the anointing that was upon Elijah's life. God could have given it to him directly. But when Elisha asked Elijah, he said, you have asked a hard thing. It's as if it's in his hands. It's in the hands of Elijah to actually let that thing happen. He said, you have asked a very hard thing. And he gave him a certain condition. He said, if you see me go, that which you are asking for is going to come upon you. Hallelujah. God could have just anointed Elisha like that without Elijah. He could have picked him from wherever he was. He was a businessman prospering and doing his things. God could have just put the anointing upon him. But he connected him with Elijah. He followed Elijah for a while. And then when Elijah was about to depart, that impartation took place. So God could have done it himself. God could have liberated Israel from Egypt without Moses. The plagues, I mean, what was the need for a rod? Things like that bring darkness. He himself could have announced all those things Moses announced to Pharaoh from the sky and the effect would have been better. We may not have needed 10 plagues. Just imagine God himself bringing a broadcast God FM from the skies warning Pharaoh, let my people go. Sure Moses' voice cry wasn't powerful enough. If God himself had done it, it would have been very effective. But God still used a man. Hallelujah. 
So that is how God likes to operate. He uses men. He brings men into our life. And when I say men, I mean Eunice is both men and women. Hallelujah. Feminists, please forgive me. So God will bring a man into your life or men into your life for certain purposes. Now, I always say that the term man of God is one of the most abused terms in Christianity now. It's like every, everybody's a man of God. You lead one powerful prayer meeting. Hey, man of God, man of God. Hey, you too. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, I mean, it's fine. We, we have redefined who a man of God is. and it's, it's fine. It's acceptable. But when some of us were growing up in Christianity, we weren't using the term man of God by heart. When the term man of God is used, we are not talking about a preacher. We are not talking about somebody who has an audience. We are not talking about somebody who has a, a crowd, necessarily. When we say a man of God, we are talking about somebody who, yes, has audience with men, but more importantly, there is evidence that he has audience with God. In that when he speaks, heaven responds. That is a man of God. Hallelujah. If it's just about having audience with men, then Shatawale is also a man of God. He has, he has a, a crowd that responds to him and everything. There should be evidence that you have audience with God. Hallelujah. When you speak, heaven responds. That is a man of God. Some people went to capture Elijah. And they made a mistake of calling him man of God. Calm down. Let us catch you. And what did he say? He said, if I be a man of God. That statement is like, okay, preliminary litmus test. If I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifties. This is evidence of somebody who has audience with heaven. He speaks and heaven responds. Hallelujah. And of course, we all know the story. By the time he was finished with the sentence, human beings had become kebab. Roasted in fire. Just like that. And so for a man of God, there should be evidence that you have audience with heaven. Having audience with heaven also means being a man of prayer. Hallelujah. You don't just speak to men. You speak to men and you speak to God. And God responds. That is a man of God. Being to a Bible school is not what makes you a man of God. People can go to Bible school, 10 Bible schools, but they carry nothing. They've just gone to learn book knowledge. That is it. I'm not saying a Bible school is bad. It adds up to who you are. It adds up to your, your knowledge base and your training and everything. But that is not the definitive thing that makes you a servant of God. That is not the definitive thing that makes you a man of God. Elijah had... A school of prophets. I believe you know that. We never heard the names of any of those prophets. Because they, they were textbook people. They were learning textbook. They were learning principles. They were learning theology. Just they would look without spirit. The only one we heard about was Elisha. Because the man understood something the rest of them didn't understand. That is not just about the textbook. It's not just about following principles. So when they graduated, some people graduated with textbooks in their hands. 
but Elisha graduated with a mantle. That is the difference between a man of God and a preacher. He graduated with a mantle in his hands. May the Lord let a mantle fall upon your life. So, so it's, not, it's not everybody you can call a man of God. There are some people who are priests and pastors because they see it as one of their careers. When children are small, that's what you want to I want to be a soldier. This is, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a priest. So they see it as one of their career choices. No call, nothing, no passion, nothing, no prayer. It's like you are taught how to do it. That wear your gown this way. Do this thing this way. And you, you'll be given a title. See, that is why for me, titles are not the most important things in Christianity, in ministry. It is the function that is important. Hallelujah. It's the function. That's I mean, I don't insist, so call me this, call me that. If you call me brother Leslie, I'll, I'll respond. Hallelujah. After all, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. The, the title is not the most important thing. So, when people are fighting over titles and being angry over not being addressed properly, did the person make a mistake in pronouncing your name? Me, my long surname, do you know how people have massacred that name? All sorts of pronunciations. If I go around right now and I do a survey, I'm sure some of you will crucify my name and you quench my anointing for the day. <laughs> From Kwakupome to Den Den Den. The, and the spellings to oh when I receive a letter the first thing I look at is the spelling of the name ah some one O we missed or something the worst spelling I've seen they spelled my surname K W E K U P O O H Kwekupo like a gunshot ah! I almost died when I said the, sh- the shot nearly killed me hey I have seen variants of this name as for this one there it is extreme. Somebody came to my department and said, I'm looking for Dr. Akokome. Akokome. Say, Akokome. Foul. Guinea foul. I don't even know. Akokome. Me. <laughs> so, also one of my colleagues here, when she wants to worry me, she calls me Akokome. Dr. Akokome. So, as for the title, it is not my name. Hallelujah. It's, it's not my name. I'm not saying titles are is wrong to have titles. No, no, no. Sometimes for the sake of order and things, a structure and everything, those things are important. But, I mean, it doesn't add anything. It doesn't carry much weight. If you say you're a prophet, when you stand to minister, we'll know that you're a prophet. I've never claimed ownership of any of the fivefold ministries. But if you've worked with me, you will know which one I am. I don't have to tell you what I am. Hallelujah. So the title is not the most important thing. It is the function. The function is the most important thing. So when we talk about men of God, we are talking about people who have audience with men and also have audience with God. And when they speak, heaven responds. And so God looks among men and by some, I don't know how he does it. He just chooses certain people and decides that 
I am placing my anointing upon these people. I am placing my grace upon these people. Every believer is anointed. Don't get me wrong. That's what the anointing. The anointing, there are different measures of it. Christ is the most anointed. Because his name, even Christ, means the anointed one. And we are told that he was anointed without measure. That means there is a measure when it comes to the anointing. So some people, the anointing is teaspoonful. God places it on you. When you work hard, then you add more onto it. Some is tablespoonful. Somebody is a margarine thing. Took it and placed it. Somebody is olunka. Took that one. Some people are barrel. Some are barrels. Some tankers. Hallelujah. You see, when it comes to the anointing, the, the power of God upon somebody, I always say there are two categories of people. We have the salunka anointing people. You know, the, the salunka has oil, but the oil is enough for just itself. The oil that the salunka has, your picanto, ruby. Ruby has oil for itself to move around. From here to Kaswa, when you are going to work and blah, blah, blah. You went to wedding yesterday and blah, blah, and all those things. It has oil for itself. So that is, that is one level. But then when it comes to anointing, we have the tanker level. The tanker has oil or fuel for itself, but also has enough for distribution. May the Lord make you a tanker anointing career in the kingdom where you don't have just enough for yourself but enough to distribute and to impact onto others so there, there are different levels he said Christ was anointed without measure so he God didn't take any olonka he didn't take any margarine thing he just said unlimited anointing unlimited power Sometimes I'm like, hey, even that unlimited power, people got familiar with it. Then some of us, we don't have hope. When people get familiar with that, no, we shouldn't get offended. Because even Christ, upon all the unction upon his life, people got familiar with the anointing. And so, God raises men. And there are responsibilities he places upon these people. You can't say I'm a Christian and I don't need any human being. You know, sometimes because people have gone to the extremes when it comes to the role a man of God is supposed to play in their lives, some people also behave as if you don't need a man of God at all. All I, the song, all I need is you, nothing else but you. <laughs> there is a place for that one. Hallelujah. But trust me, a lot of the things God is going to do in your life, you do it through a man. You see, for example, once you have submitted yourself to this ministry, there are a lot of things God wants to tell you that He will speak to you through this pulpit. You see, when we stand here, we are not necessarily the source of what comes out of this pulpit. That day, I explained to you that it's like the water hose. The men of God are like the water hose. The source of the water is the tap that has been connected to the to the water hose and you are the receiving end so when somebody stands here sometimes it doesn't even matter how imperfect the person is sometimes because of prayers you are prayed because of the hunger in your heart and what you desire God will just use the person to accomplish that role and at the end of the day you are blessed 
And so there are certain roles. But before I go to the roles, I want to establish the fact that there is a place in the Bible for believing in men. Believing in human beings. Hallelujah. I said sometimes we feel like, oh, it's just God, it's just God. God's place is there. You see, but the most important thing is that you don't let the man take the place of God. That is the most important thing. And I'll show you some scriptures, at least two, that give you that balance. That when somebody teaches you about believing in a man and does not emphasize on believing in God, it is an imbalanced teaching. And so when you look at the scriptures that actually encourage us to believe in men, a lot of them or all of them will balance it with believing in God as well. Hallelujah. Let me show you a few. John chapter 14 verse 1. is Jesus speaking. And mind you, Jesus at that time was a normal human being. It took divine revelation through Peter to bring out the fact that he is the son of God. So they were working with him like a normal human being. And look at what he said. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in who? Say it again. Ye believe in who? And then what does he go on to say? Believe also in me. Hallelujah. So you can see the balance there clear. Believe in God. But believe in me also. So there's a place in scripture. It, it's, it's not blasphemy to believe in a man. It becomes blasphemy when you replace your belief in God with a belief in man. That is when it becomes a problem. Hallelujah. So that balance is very, very, very necessary. Now let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. I'm just giving you two examples. I could give you more, but let me just give you these two. So that I can touch on a lot of things. It said, And they arose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. So look at this. Balance again. Believe in the... Let's read it together. Go. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Stop. So belief in God has been established. Okay? Now let's continue. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Hallelujah. So the balance is seen clearly here too. Believe in God, but also believe in the man that he has sent unto you. Hallelujah. You can't benefit from an anointing that you don't believe in. There's no point following it or whatever if you don't believe in it. Amen. Now what are some of the responsibilities of a man of God? One, to teach the people the ways of God. And there are different ways of doing this. To teach the people the ways of God. A man of God can teach the people the ways of God through preaching. Through teaching. And both of these can be done through a lot of media. You can preach the word through song. You can teach the word through song. Hallelujah. So when I talk about preaching and teaching, I'm not only talking about what I'm doing. You can preach and teach through social media by putting up things, statuses. Putting up posts on Facebook for your 2,000 friends to read. It's also a way of ministering. Hallelujah. 
You see, I want you to take your mind from this concept of ministry just being microphone ministry. If I don't get a mic, then I don't have a ministry. There are a lot of ways in which we can teach and preach the word of God. Hallelujah. And it is a fundamental thing in the life of any man of God. The word of God should be the basis. When I see prophets who say, Oh, as for me, I'm a prophet, so my job is to prophesy. In common, I'm a shame. We will leave the teaching and the preaching of the word for the teachers, teachers and the pastors to do. Really. And it's like gradually, this thing is gaining grounds in Christianity. It's like, you don't expect much teaching and preaching from a prophet. That sort of thing. But when I open my Bible, that's not what I see. Because the books of the Bible that the teachers and the preachers preach from, most of them were written by prophets. Hallelujah. So this whole thing about prophet, I don't need to know the word of God. is neither here nor there. Obadiah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and every ayah, ayah, ayah. All the ayahs. <laughs> they wrote the word that the teachers and the pastors and whoever preached from. So you must know the word. Hallelujah. No ministry is solid if it is not based on the word of God. Forget it. You, you can't build a church just on the prophetic. Oh, you gather the people, but after you have told them their name, their phone number, you've told them their bank account, and there's nothing else to see, they will leave and go to where they can be sustained with the word of God. Hallelujah. In the beginning, I said, the inaugural service here, I, I know by God's grace, I have, a, I have a prophetic gift. That is not my main office. That's not my main office. I function in it from time to time. But I may, I may mention the fact that I'm not going to build this church on the prophetic gift. We'll base it on the teaching of the word of God. Because that one is more solid. Hallelujah. Every ministry must be based on the word of God. Not to say I despise prophecy. The thing is, if I come and I start telling you certain things. Some of you here know, oh... Satan will start whispering to you, ah, but you know this these people already. So, those of you who follow me, you realize that that thing comes more when I'm outside this place. When I'm far away, where I don't know anybody. So, when I call you and I'm describing certain things, you know that this one, the Holy Spirit too knows some of these things. That's why he knows when to choose to operate in a certain way. Amen. Every gift and every calling has to be based on the word of God. And so a man of God is supposed to preach and teach the word of God. Three, he's supposed to live an exemplary life. Your life should be exemplary. Your life should be exemplary. You yourself should be a walking epistle. You don't preach virtue and practice vice. You don't say one thing and do the other when nobody is watching. You must walk in integrity. The word integrity comes from the word integer. If you've done math before, JHS level. Integer means whole. It means one. So the word integrity means you are one. How God sees you is the same way human beings also see you. You are not different. What you are in private is the same way you are in public. That's integrity. 
When we say you lack integrity, it means you are saying one thing and you are doing another thing. You are looking one way and you are behaving in another way. And so you must live an exemplary life. So when I come and I'm talking about the fact that and advising the gentleman that when you decide on a lady, focus. Say focus. And when you marry, focus on your spouse and don't go looking around. And I'm doing something different. I don't leave what I'm preaching. That is not a man of God. Hallelujah. A life of integrity. You preach and you live it. You live the example of what you preach. For the people to follow. I can't come and teach you giving. And me myself, I am Armstrong. As if P.O.P. have congenital P.O.P. Like when I was born. <laughs> they fashioned some P.O.P. onto my hands like that. It's not correct. It's alright. So preaching and teaching the word, living an exemplary life, demonstrating the power of God. It's one of the responsibilities of a man of God. Demonstrate the power of God. Demonstrate the power of God. And men of God are also supposed to use their gifts to be a blessing to the world. Whatever gifts God has placed upon them. And you realize that men of God have their specialties. Everybody and the grace that they carry. Even if you walk in a lot of giftings, there are some that you major in. By the grace of God, since I became born again and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, I've seen all nine of them in operation in my life at one point in, in time or the other. But there are some that are more regular than others. So God gives everybody a certain specialty. Hallelujah. So even amongst men of God, it is advisable to accept that this one there, he has a PhD in this one. And so even when you have a case that is going in that direction and you know you don't have the grace, be humble enough to say, Charlie, I'm referring you. Come, refer a letter. Go and see the specialist in this area. Even when it comes to the gifts of healing, you can see specialties. People have certain serious abilities. That's for men of God, what stands out in them is their excellence. Excellence. You enter the church and there's excellence. When you go to Maker's house, you see what excellence means. Excellence. Everything done. It's a grace. Somebody else is anointed but can't see that, oh, if you put the lights here and do this things here, blah, blah, the sound will be good. And it, it just doesn't occur to them. It's like it's just not part of them. And so when men of God get jealous with other people, it means you know, your calling is in doubt. You don't understand the calling. When you are, you, are, you are jealous of another person's gift, you are jealous of another person's ability, it means you, you are probably not a man of God. You just have an audience. <laughs> you are not a man of God. Because there are certain things we think are the spectacular ones. So when there is evidence of that, then people know that yeah, God has called you. It's not every time that when you pray for somebody, the person must fall down. You understand? There are some people that God has, like, uses in very chaotic ways. When you attend my meetings, fire rally and things, there's confusion. Chaotic. That, that is how God chooses to use me. Hallelujah. Yours may be different. Yours may be calm. Yours may be nice. 
right now like the calm one is, is operating everybody's smiling nicely there's no rolling around <laughs> and things like that but God just has his way of using everybody you can't tell me Pastor Otabel is not anointed because you've never seen anybody fall under his anointing if you understand anointing at least I gave you five dimensions of the anointing it's not all of them that are gidi and things like that too Look at what God has done with him with ICGs. You can sit and criticize and say, but if you understand anointing, you know that a man is anointed. Somebody like Duncan Williams, the kind of revelation he has in the word concerning prayer. You have not seen anybody with that kind of revelation before. It's because it's, it's a specialty God has given to him. Every scripture, you see prayer in it. Even if it's marriage, you see prayer. Everything, he sees prayer inside. And in following his teachings on prayer, I have understood prayer the more. A lot of people's revelations they've had concerning prayer are offshoots of revelations that God gave him and it's like he pioneered those revelations. That's why they call him the apostle of strategic prayer. Smith Wigglesworth, they called him the apostle of faith. Because when it comes to operating in raw faith, Modern day Christianity, I don't think we've seen anybody as crazy as that man before. You are preaching somewhere and a message comes that your wife has died at home. Like, oh, you, okay, fine, let me finish. He finished praying for the sick and everything. Got home, whistling, like nothing has happened. I mean, somebody else will have a son, hey, me, me, you, that's what <laughs> He just got home, shoo, 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 like normal. This is, he said God didn't tell him before taking his wife, so he is not accepting it. Just went to the room, honey, get up. The wife just came back like that. And the wife begged him, that I beg you, please let me go back. Because the place I went to, coming back here is a problem for me. So okay, alright, then accept it. Just, just go like that. Say, man of God. <laughs> So God places special graces on people. And he had very rugged ways of ministering to people. They brought a man with, I think, some abdominal cancer or something. They came to put him in one of his meetings. The person came, I think, oxygen and everything with a doctor. The family insisted they bring the man to the, what do you call it? His revival meeting. So the doctor was there and everything. He saw the man and according to the story, Normally people will just lay hands on you or just or speak or something. He lifted the man against the wall. And the same stomach that had the cancer blew and punched it. Boom! And the doctor said, hey, you have killed him. He said, no, I'm bringing life back into him. When the man fell and got up, suddenly he removed the tubes. The man who couldn't walk suddenly sprang up. Healed. Cancer completely gone. Daddy, I told you, I told you about Jaco. Jaco was bold. Tumor like this. He would tear it from your face. And the skin is fresh like that. Tight. William Braham had serious signs and wonders. When it comes to signs and wonders. You see, now we are seeing healings. We are seeing miracles. But we are not seeing a lot of signs and wonders. I pray that God will open that door again. To signs and wonders. Not that our signs and wonders. A sign, as I'm preaching here right now, open fire appears behind me and you can see. That is a sign. 
The one of the things God has told me is that at a point in my ministry, these things will become usual. And so I'm waiting for that. You see, a lot of times, what God is going to use you for in the future, He'll give you glimpses. Sometimes people get frustrated. They've seen this thing before and it's not happening. No, 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 no. It's not your time. God just gave you a glimpse. That's why God brought the, the bear and the lion to David to just give him a glimpse that this thing is upon you. So when the time has really come, you start seeing certain things. So those of you who have seen certain gifts and now it's as if it's not there, don't worry. At the right time it will come. Hallelujah. At the beginning of my ministry, I could see strange things in my meetings. There was one revival on the third day. I spoke about, what was the title? I spoke about supernatural encounters. And I give them a lot of examples and a lot of stories about supernatural encounters and blah, 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 blah. When we finished, I started ministering to people. As usual, it was a very chaotic affair. The presence of God was so strong. And then I felt like telling them, the praise leader, come and lead praise. Just five minutes. That was the leading I had. As soon as the praise started, look, right in front of our eyes, a cloud. Everybody say a cloud. A cloud appeared and covered the people. You know, initially I thought I was seeing a vision. So I just went to the speaker. Dean, like that. There are certain levels of the manifestation of the presence of God. You don't interfere. You say you're a man of God. is doing his own thing. You too, you want to come and show us up. He'll push you aside. <laughs> I just stood by the, what do you call it, speaker. And I was just watching like that. But then I decided to, I realized suddenly it's like the confusion had gone to a higher level. Now we're talking about people collapsing. Like, I'm not talking about falling. There's a difference between falling and collapsing. Collapse, like unconscious. So I asked the people, are you seeing what I'm seeing? They were like, yes, we can see the cloud. The thing rested upon the place for about five minutes. By the time the cloud cleared, about a quarter of the congregation was unconscious. I'm talking about unconscious. These people were carried home. Unconscious. Like, as if dead. That day after I gave the benediction, I had to take toe over people's lifeless bodies. That's when I understood that, that scripture that said, no man can see God and live. There are certain dimensions of encounters when you have with God. You can't be the same again. One person who was at that meeting one day, he met me. It's like that encounter. I can never backslide in my life. He said, he said, I can never backslide in my life. Sometimes God shows us certain things so that when you are going far, you remember and know that God is God. And so God has told me that when it comes to signs and wonders in my ministry, at a point, if you get to a time when I come to church, be, be prepared. You <laughs> get somebody who knows your room to carry. <laughs> To carry you away. There was a fire rally. Now, and I believe some of you were there. One gentleman made a mistake of carrying my coat. He collapsed under the anointing. When we finished the meeting, this guy was like gone. And then the doctor and me started getting worried. I was like, Charlie, you people, did this guy's head hit the ground? I was thinking of all sorts of things. You see how medicine can interfere with the spirit? I said, like, hey, when you fell down, did he... Did he hit his head on the ground? Is he having some subdural hematoma or 
intracranial hemorrhage or something. They were like, oh, no, no, no. He actually fell very gently. The usher who captured him, said, oh, no, 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 no. Like, very gently, they just caught him. He tried getting up again and then <laughs> went down once again. We finished the meeting. This guy was lying there lifeless. So, when I started getting worried, I got like three doctors. Everybody, go and do an independent assessment of Glasgow Coma Scale. Every one of them came to report 3 over 15. That's the lowest you can be and still be alive. 3 over 15. They did whatever. The uh, 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 guy was just there. Like that. He recovered the following day. So, God just decides that that some people, I'll give them certain kinds of manifestations. I want to preach somewhere. When I finished, because of the way the Spirit of God moved, the head of the place too felt okay atmosphere is right me too charlie let me take advantage came to stand there pick the microphone the spirit is moving the spirit he did it for like 30 minutes <laughs> just close the meeting and let's go home <laughs> you know so even among men of god you have to accept that this is how god uses this person this is how god uses this person this is how god uses this person when you see a meeting and people are screaming and think some people conveniently oh it's emotionalism so I asked somebody, will you deliberately scream? You that you are standing here, that you look very dignified. Will you deliberately scream and just say, and then me pass or me be here, me won't You come with the intention that I am coming to make myself dirty. No. Nobody does that too. It just, it's just a way God moves in some people's ministries. Hallelujah. So the man of God is supposed to use his gifts to be a blessing unto many. Three, the man of God is supposed to be an intercessor. An intercessor. He's supposed to be a go-between between God and the people. One of the best examples was Moses. When the people misbehave, he'll go to God and go and plead for them. He's supposed to be a go-between, an intercessor. You see, I have a different understanding of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. It's a very popular verse. But I gained a different understanding of that scripture. Give me Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. There's a reason why a man of God is an effective intercessor. An effective go-between. Between God and the people. It's because you have, you have an audience with God. The level to which you have an audience with God is not the same as the people. I want to show you from this scripture that God doesn't hear all of us at the same level. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work in us. What is the power that is at work in us? The anointing. So if you replace that bit, it is now unto him that is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, According to the anointing that is at work in us. When we hear the word according, we are talking about levels. Each according to his ability. We say give according to your ability. So we say he is able to do what we think about, what we ask. And it is according to the anointing. It means the higher the anointing, the more he does. Hallelujah. That is why people go to men of God. Men of, men of God pray for me. 
when we can all pray to God. It's because of a different level of anointing is operating at. Because of that anointing, the doing is at a higher level. And that is why corporate prayer is also important. Because when we come together and we are praying, your anointing may be small. My anointing may be small. But the Bible says one shall put a thousand to fly. And two shall, instead of two thousand, put ten thousand. That means your thousand becomes five thousand. And my thousand becomes five thousand. Synergism. That is what the corporate anointing does. That's why prayer partners are important. Because you need some anointing to push the prayer agenda for the thing to come to pass. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That's why sometimes you need, oh, man of God, pray with me. But as I keep saying, you must understand that, yes, the man of God may have an audience with God, but he's not the one feeling what you are feeling. You understand? He's not the one in that situation. The nation that you are nation that you want, the boyfriend that you are not getting. Eh? May I tell you, if you come and tell me that, I'll pray with you. But the fervency will not be strong because I left that realm a long time ago. Many, 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 many years. I can't feel what you feel. Hallelujah. So you also have to agonize in the spirit and then I add my own small. Somebody will say, ah. This man, the way he's talking, isn't he boasting? You see, when you are anointed and you pretend that you are not, it is a bigger problem. Do you understand me? You live as if you are not anointed. You talk as if you are not anointed. You behave as if you are not anointed. That is a bigger... It is a false humility. So me, I am anointed and I know it. Hallelujah. I am a man of God and I know it. When I came and I told you I have conjunctivitis, you didn't have a problem with it. But I'm telling you that I'm anointed and you are feeling that I'm being brave. I have conjunctivitis because I can feel the symptoms and I can see the signs. When you have a fever, don't you know you have a fever? In the same way, when you are anointed, you know that you are anointed. It's as simple as that. If you can open your mouth and say, I have fever, you should be able to open your mouth and say, I'm anointed. Look, I'll show you what real boasting about the anointing. Give me Luke chapter 4 verse 18. I'll show you what boasting, like being arrogant about the anointing really. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, quick. This is Jesus speaking. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Is this arrogance? Or because it's Jesus? That one there is accepted. Paul opened his mouth and said, I am a master builder. I can build churches. I know how to build structures. I know how to put things in place for it to work. I'm a master builder. When you are anointed and you pretend like you are not anointed, you are more likely to lose it than someone who lives in the consciousness of the fact that he's anointed. Because I know there is an anointing upon my life. There are certain things I will not do. There are certain places I will not go. There are certain things that... The Bible says what? All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. There are certain things that are lawful. Other people will do it and it's fine. I will not do those things because I know there is something upon my life. It's as simple as that. So those of you thinking it's arrogance, repent right now. It is not arrogance at all. Hallelujah. 
So the man of God is supposed to be an intercessor. He's supposed to be a shepherd. Supposed to be a shepherd. Unfortunately, a lot of the shepherds are using the sheep for kebab and light soup. Now, there's very crazy things that are happening in the kingdom of God. When we talk about abuse at the hands of men of God, I think we are at an all-time high. South Africa, people being made to eat grass at the direction of a prophet. My God, you can see. And when you look at 90% are women, and they are crawling on the grass, chewing the grass happily. There was one in Kenya. He's a Nigerian preacher in Kenya. One of his ministrations, he said, he said, God has given him a direction to prevent breast cancer among the females in the church. He has to sack all of them. So you come to his office one by one. BBC even interviewed him and he was defending it. Everybody, you come. It's a ministration. Everybody come one by one. It's supposed to prevent breast cancer. There was one lady I was speaking to. This lady has suffered a lot of abuse under men of God. And I told you, your problem is that you don't want to be planted anywhere. When you hear there's this prophet here, you go. When you hear this prophet preaching on air and gives out his number, 0244056, you take the number, you go and call him, you go to see him. And she has suffered so much abuse. You know one of the churches he went to? The prophet was ministering. And he said, he needs somebody to buy him a phone. And the church members themselves were sitting down. Because I'm sure he has finished milking all of them. They don't have any more money. And she was feeling embarrassed. So she said, okay, I'll buy them. So she bought the phone. He started calling her and stuff like that. One day he said, oh, come home. She went home. She was sitting down with man of God. Man of God went to his room and came back stuck naked. This one is not like TV3, I was interviewing the lady. Stuck naked. He said, why is are you? Are you a child? So I said, what did you do? So I went to the door and threatened to scream. I said, you've done well. So he opened and said, hey, go, go, go. Same lady, she heard of this prophet on Channel R. So Channel R, there are things going on there. Is that station still operating? It's not there again. Eh, it's good. We'll replace it with overflow radio. <laughs> the kind of things people were, were doing on that channel was crazy. And she was having some problems in her life, so she decided to go. She called him and he said, Come to the office. When she got to the office, you know the usual thing. I, I know why you came. He said, Okay, tell me. He said, You've been dreaming that somebody has been sleeping with you in the night. So, oh, I don't dream anything like that. Though. He said, no, you have been dreaming it, but you don't have the spiritual eyes to see the dream. How can you dream and you don't see it? Tell me that I can't remember. If I didn't see it, then it's not a dream. <laughs> you don't have the spiritual eyes to see the dream. He said, okay, you have accepted that I dream. So what are we going to do about it? He said, the following day, come and see me, meet me. He showed her some beach. Seashore. Meet me there, 12 midnight. 
when you're coming, he gave us some things in Florida water, this, that, that, and things come. So that's what I, what what's going to happen there. And he was bold enough to tell her, when you come, I am going to sleep with you at the beach. And because I am an anointed man of God, once I sleep with you, those evil spirits will never dare come to sleep with you again. So I said, did you go? She said, no. I wanted to test the reason. I said, why didn't you go? I was expecting her to tell me, but it's wrong. It's fornication. It's, it's not right. It's against the word of God. She said, it's because he said she should bring Florida water. And she, she knows that Florida water is so, so sorry. And they use it to bat dead bodies and things. So that, I said, that was why you did not go. It's not everybody you see in church who knows God. Though. It's not everybody you see in church who knows God. He said it's because of the Florida water. I said, thank God for Florida water. She said a year later, she heard that the man had died. And he died of HIV. Only God knows how many young ladies he has imparted this thing to. Before going. So men of God are supposed to be shepherds. But there are some shepherds that are using the sheep as kebab. Abusing the sheep. I watched a video. One man of God, so-called man of God in South Africa made the congregation eat snakes. A snake. Yeah. Go and look for it on YouTube. You see the thing? Long like that. Everybody will come and bite. And they open their mouth. You can see snake meat in their mouth. Not cooked snake. Oh. Somebody made people drink petrol. <laughs> yeah, to, to kindle the fire of the Holy Ghost. Out of your belly shall flow. So, once it enters your belly, you know, then the anointing will begin to flow. Shepherds are supposed to guide you in life. You are taking a decision, the shepherd can come. Oh, I think you should do it this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. When you do it this way, it may help you. You understand? Me like this, those of you that have helped through decisions, you realize that I don't make the decision for you. I help you to make the decision. But there are a few times when I say emphatic things. Wait! Don't go. Those ones, it means I've heard. Hallelujah. Those ones, don't take them as a joke. Sometimes the shepherds are supposed to guide you with crucial decisions, relationships. Oh, you like the guy, doesn't he tell you no? You wait small. You watch him small. When I say watch him small, it means I'm going to pray. God, let the true colors be revealed quickly. Because he's giving you nice, nice words. Honey, sweetie. Nowadays, the new one is Bay. Bay, bay. you see the Bay, no, Charlie. Something is happening to your heart. Bay, 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 bay. Well, it soon turn into bay four. <laughs> but you used to call me bay. Tell you sorry. It was a short form of bay four. <laughs> this is a delayed reaction. <laughs> it's a short form. The man of God is supposed to be a shepherd. Quickly, let me go through to how to relate to a man of God, and then I'll be done. How to relate to a man of God. And I'll be done. One. 
believe in the anointing upon the life of the man of God. I've shown you some scriptures that permit you to believe in the grace upon a man. Believe. Two, support the anointing. You can support the anointing with your service. A lot of the things I do, they are successful because I have supportive people around me. You see, everybody in what stirs up your anointing. Me, I need music. So I need Minister Della. I need Pastor Gideon. I need David. I need Selom. All of those people. So when I'm going for fire, I carry them with me. Because Elisha was called to prophesy one time. The prophecy wasn't coming. He said, get me a minister. As soon as the minister started ministering, open his mouth, I say the Lord. Every man of God must know what stirs up your anointing. For Jesus, one of the things that stirred up his anointing was compassion. When he felt compassion, he just stirred up the anointing like that. For some people, prayer. The man at Prophet Nana said, when he's come, you pray for like two hours before he prophesies one. Everybody knows what, what stirs up his anointing. There are some people know they, they need the thing. You put them there raw like that, you would think they are not anointed. They need the right environment. And that is what it means to support an anointing. Me, I need good sound. So I thank God for Victor, Blagoji, and Co. Hallelujah. See, because they've been giving me good sound, when I go to other places to minister, it's difficult to. The choristers can't complain. When they go to other places, their sound, you know, they be Because we, we are blessed. We have good sound engineers. Let's put our hands together for them. It's powerful. It's a powerful thing. So you support the anointing with your service. And you must also support the anointing with your substance. Financially. The anointing moves on the wheels of money. It's as simple as that. Instruments will be bought with money, electricity, whatever that you need for the anointing to be given expression. It's financial. So you need to support with your substance. And when we talk about supporting with your substance too, it also includes giving to the person, the anointed person. You understand? When we preach some of these things, it's like we are trying to <laughs> get things up. you let me show you let me make a disclaimer through what Paul said <laughs> give me Philippians Philippians chapter 4 verse 17 this one I'll let Paul do the speaking for me yeah. he was in the same position and he made that statement he said not because I desire a gift hallelujah but I desire fruit that may abound to your account God knows in this church I give more than I receive because the principle still remains that it is more blessed to give than to receive. So me, I'll not let that imbalance be there. For me to receive more than I... Every time I'm sure I'm, I'm giving more than I receive. I'm fulfilling scripture. Hallelujah. And when I talk about men of God that you give... I'm not necessarily talking about me. There are a lot of people who are men of God in your life. Some people think it is wrong to actually give a gift... To a man of God. It, it is a very satanic mentality. Hallelujah. Let's read First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 11. Give me NIV. I want to show you from scriptures. Some people even think, ah, why should men of God collect honorarium when they go to minister? 
You go to sing somewhere, they say, oh, take 100 CDs. And you call it, hey, it's Ghana. It's sinful. Me, I have reasons why I don't take on it. It's not because it's wrong. He said, if we have sown, this is Paul speaking, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? This is Paul. It's Bible. We have sown spiritual seed. Giving you the word. Led you in worship. Taught you Bible studies. Everything. He said, is it too much if we reap a material? I'm sure he had to say this because some people were saying some things. And he had to correct them. In fact, Corinthians is a corrective book. He used it to correct a lot of mistakes in the church. Is it too much to reap a material harvest from you? Give me Galatians 6.6. 6. I know a church where they have Galatians 6 is D. <laughs> it's a good church, Joe. Galatians 6 is It said, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. In fact, give me the NLT. It will be clearer for you to understand. It will be more sensational. He said, Those who are taught the word. Are you taught the word? <laughs> of God should provide for their teachers sharing what? Oh, good thing. Oh, let me. Oh, oh. <laughs> the Bible is a very powerful book. It has an answer to everything in this world. These are those who are taught in the word of God should provide for their teachers. You see, there are ministers who are full time, they live, it's the church that must take care of them. Recently, I heard of a certain pastor friend of mine, and he's under a certain church. His rent has expired, and the church is refusing to pay for his rent. And he's facing eviction. He has a few days. It's like, God, within the next few days, bless me with some money. I'll just send it to him. Just go and clear your, what do you call it? And his wife is heavily pregnant. I told some of the church members, you people put yourself together and solve this problem. Don't sit there and look at your pastor being evicted with his pregnant wife like that. You think he'll come and stand there and minister to you in joy? Paul said, I am bound. I am full. And out of that, he released the blessing that my God shall supply all your needs. According to... You think if he was hungry, he released such a blessing upon them? No. Sometimes when preachers are frustrated and they come and stand on the pulpit and they are just blasting people, you don't understand. There's some bill somewhere that the people are failing to support him to pay. The children are, are, are facing, what do you call it, uh, uh, being sacked from school. He's a human being. Aside the anointing and the grace of God, he's a human being. So when he comes to stand there, he doesn't have his peace of mind. The quality of the message can't reduce because he's thinking of strategies, quack, 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 ways to make the money to avoid that embarrassment. So church members, you see, very soon there will be branches of this church and some of the pastors will be full time. So I'm teaching you these things now. Hallelujah. That it is the responsibility of the church to make sure their pastor is comfortable. And I'm showing to you through scripture. So if you have that mentality that giving a gift to a pastor, a man of God is wrong, today let the word of God change your mind. It is the responsibility of the church. Some churches they do it and it's ah, Church of Pentecost, for example, they, the way they run their system, 
It's like a number of churches are under one pastor. So they come together, make sure your children attend the best schools, make sure you are well catered for, because we know you are before God interceding for us day and night, digging into the word to bring us the word of God that will direct and shape our lives and bring light onto our path. And And you see, when you are a man of God, eh, you are a target for the enemy, whether you like it or not. Because the Bible has stated it clearly. Look, the devil doesn't have his eyes on any of you like me. It says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. If you want to scatter the sheep, it will be more difficult to go after the sheep one by one. So the easy way out, attack the shepherd. You understand? Recently, a pastor friend of mine called me. He was like, he calls me a pause. He said, a pause. The people we feed in the word, do they pray for us like we pray for them? I said, only God knows. I'm, I'm not in your room. Don't know whether you go on your whether in the last one month you've even remembered oh god remember my pastor hallelujah yes you expect anointing to be hot all the time for me to be in the right frame of mind and the state of mind to come and minister to you all the time but then already the man of god is also a man he's not a god of man but a man of god the man comes first He's a human being. So if there are worries on his mind, it will affect his ministration. It will affect his ministration. Look, being a man of God can be a very lonely path. Sometimes. It can be a very lonely path. There are times when you expect some kind of support and it doesn't come because the people think you're okay. I'm not talking financial support too. Sometimes encouragement. No, the people think you're okay. Oh, they see you as a demigod. And they are a representative of Christ. So there can be no issues. Sometimes when God places anointing on you, there are some problems you actually instructed not to share with anybody. Deal with it alone. Samson was with his, his family. And the Bible said a young lion roared at him. Once in a while, when you are anointed, something will roar at you. But the Bible said he caught the lion by the beard, killed it, and the family didn't even know that he had killed the lion. That's the life of a man of God. It's not everything I see concerning this text. There are some of you, I have gathered intercession for you based on some clear revelations of and you don't even know. I don't have to tell you, because you invite the spirit of fear and give the devil a foothold in your life. So let's deal with this thing quietly. My family, God will show me things. I'll deal with it. You see, one of the responsibilities of a man is to protect his wife. Sometimes you protect them from stress. They say, You go and collect the bullets and deal with the thing quietly. And save the family trouble. Sometimes I'll go to the extent of maybe informing some of the pastors. This, that, 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 that. Or that. Some of you, the, the, the things God has shown me concerning you, I deal with it from 12 midnight to 3 a.m. While you are snoring. Hallelujah. This thing called being a man of God, if you want to do it, you must do it and do it well. God doesn't like half. I'm inside, I'm not inside, that kind of thing. It doesn't work in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work. 
Some of the things if I come and I tell you, your tears alone will make the devil jubilate. So it has to be dealt with behind the scenes. There are things you see and you are not even supposed to op- open your mouth and say publicly. And it takes a lot of discipline. So when you are ministering in the spirit, like, Holy Ghost shows you something. It's not everything you are supposed to say. Because the thing you are saying, it will cause confusion. See some relationship, baby. Meanwhile, something is brooding between some two people. You just create confusion like that. It, it's, a, it's a lot of work. Dealing with a lot of people. Managing human beings. Somebody comes to tell you a, a secret. Concerning another person. You meet the person and you must behave as if I've not heard anything. Because when you start behaving some way, hey, why is pastor looking at me in a certain way? Because I've heard that you have been involved in some very, very interesting things. You have been doing interesting things, so you are looking at my face. You think I've heard something? <laughs> you see, once you submit yourself under a ministry, God is supposed to use that ministry to be of help to you. I, I can sit in my room and God will show me what is happening in your room. Are you afraid? I told God, I don't want to see those kind of things. <laughs> that one is between you and God. Hallelujah. But if God wants to show me, He will show me. I'll get live coverage. And it's not like it's not happened before in my ministry. I can lie. Seven ah, times I've been lying on my bed. I'll see live coverage like that. I'll call the people there. This is it. You were wearing so 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 blah 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 blah. Open your mouth. Close your mouth before a fly enters. <laughs> I don't no no no. I don't, I don't want those things again. I don't want. So the responsibilities of a man of God are big. They are huge. So when they are saying honor the anointing, respect the anointing. Support the anointing and things like that. It's not the mere fact that the person is a man of God means he's going to have stricter judgment than everybody else. That alone is a huge responsibility. Three, respect the anointing. I'll be done very soon in the next five minutes. Respect the anointing. Let me show you something in Second Kings chapter two, verse nineteen. Respect the anointing. The anointing you don't respect doesn't work for you. It said, And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Say the men. The men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord seeth, but the water is not, and the ground barren. Next. And he said, bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. Next. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters and cast the salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren. Hallelujah. These were people who saw Elisha. They saw a man of God. Somebody they knew was anointed. And the Bible said, the men. Man is a symbol of maturity. Hallelujah. Man, it means you are grown, you are mature. When you approach an anointing with maturity, it will be a blessing unto you. On the other hand, when you approach the anointing like a child with immaturity, there's no time for me to give you the scripture. But just after this, this same man of God, same anointing, same Elisha, this time he didn't meet men, but he met children. Say children. Symbolic of immaturity. These children saw the same man of God, anointed man of God, and they started mocking him. 
They were mocking his motorway, his bald head. And they also made a certain statement that a lot of people don't understand. They were telling him, go up, go up. A lot of people don't understand that. They were not mocking just Elijah. They were mocking Elijah too. Because he had come to say that he saw Elijah go up. That's his spiritual father. So more like, okay, then you to go up. Like him. So what those children were doing, they were not just mocking Elisha, they were mocking him and his spiritual father. And the man of God got angry, called the bears, came to tear, was it 42 children apart, just like that. Same anointing. How you approach the anointing will determine whether the anointing becomes a blessing unto you or becomes a curse unto you. You don't go about saying certain things. You don't go about talking by heart. You see, men of God are also human beings. Sometimes the mistake people make is that when a man of God is found in a fault, then automatically means the anointing is gone. It's not true. Hallelujah. As to whether the anointing will go or not, it's between him and God. When you see a fault of a man of God, what do you do? Like the sons of Noah. Their father had gone to drink. He was there naked. The youngest one went to see and went to broadcast. The more mature ones came and took a cloth and covered their father. And even when they were going, they turned their faces because they didn't want to see the nakedness of their father. There are times people you respect, men of God, they may be found in a fault. How do you respond to that? Do you go and broadcast it? You see, those who understand spiritual principles, David, when Saul and Jonathan were killed on the mountain of Gilboa, he made a certain statement. He said, how are the mighty falling? He said, tell it not in God and publish it not in Ashkelon. These are people who understand spiritual things. Tell it not in God. That's good. That is sweet news. Ah, Saul has fallen. Jonathan has fallen. Oh, Reverend so and so has fallen. He's been caught in adultery. He's been caught in fornication. He's been caught in money laundering. He's been caught in so-so and so-so. I says, tell it nothing that. Unless you don't believe the man was called by God. And he himself was just doing something. Tell it not in God. Publish it not in Ashkelon. You know why it is so? There are a lot of people whose destinies and their whatever are tied to these people. You spreading this thing will not add anything to the kingdom of God but can rather take away. That's why you have to discipline your lips. Hallelujah. Don't go criticizing a man of God you have never gone on your knees to pray for before. You've never gone on your knees to pray for the person before. And the person is overtaking the fall. One day I heard somebody say, there was a news about some man of God that broke up. He was like, ah, even me, I will not do that. I was like, don't open your mouth and say such things. The Bible says, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can take. It is demons that tempt. That means there are certain levels of demons God will allow. To come and tempt you because of your level. If you are level one believer, it's level one demons that are allowed. If this man is operating at level four, and a level four demon came and overtook him, you are standing here saying, If it were me, you at your level one, even if they release level two, you will not survive. So don't be there and say, Oh, the adultery is not all the same. There are some that are demonically manipulated. And it's not everything you hear about the man of God that you must immediately believe. 
Because there are some men of God, Satan sits with his people and they brought lies. And Satan enters people. And they propagate those lies. Simply because they want to put a taint on their testimony so that their message will not be received. It's as simple as that. Respect the anointing. Honor the anointing. Sometimes some people have a problem. When somebody is going to be introduced to a minister, they say, let's stand to our feet. Oh, a human being. I should receive a human being like that. Some of us, we have our individual difference. Me, like, I don't like long introductions. Long and he's this and he's this. Charlie, give me the microphone, make a fire go. Simple, that's what I, I, I want. Some people too, that is what stands up the anointing. So maybe give it to them. When they hear, Charlie, he's this, 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 general overseer, this, this, this. Then the anointing is like, you know, it's pumping up. When they receive the microphone, fire! Let's read John 13, 20. John 13, 20. I'll show you that when you are receiving a man of God, you are not doing anything wrong. It's a very, very, I say unto you, he that received whomsoever I sent, received me. Hallelujah. When you receive a man of God, somebody coming to minister to you, they say, receive the person. This is not me speaking, it's Jesus speaking. He said, you have received me. And he that received me, received him that sent me. So that is how it is. Receiving a man of God is not, is not a sin. It's not like you are giving praise to a human being. Jesus is saying if you receive a man of God, you are receiving him. So you take it that you are receiving God. Hallelujah. And this is clearly written in the Bible. These things are not being preached so that you see us in a certain way. You, you, you can't live your life seeing me. I can't do much for you. Hallelujah. As I said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our our eyes should be on Jesus. But once God has created a phenomenon where human beings are channels through which he blesses human beings, the principles that are necessary for those things to work must be there. Hallelujah. Even Jesus with all his anointing, when he went to his own people, he wasn't able to do many miracles because they saw him and said, "Ah, is that not a carpenter's son? Is that no Ima? Using the short form, we say Ima, Ima no Ima, carpenter's son, having a putting a pencil in his head, walking around. Carpenters do they like whistling? <laughs> Today you say you are a prophet, <laughs> Ima. <laughs> you think we don't know you? Anointing didn't flow. I laid hands to some Charlie. The thing is not working. Let me go to where I'll be received. But I pray that God will give you the grace to accept the men of God in your life. And when you speak, when you accept the men of God, that is when God uses them as a channel to speak into your life. And the things they speak in your life come to pass. And today, if I be a man of God, may the Lord open the heavens upon your life. And may every struggle that is in your life come to an end in the name of Jesus. And if I be a man of God, let the strongest wish upon your heart this moment, let God move the angels in heaven to start making preparations and to start making movement for that wish that is upon your heart to be seen in reality in the name of Jesus. And if I be a man of God, I stand as an intercessor between you and God and between you and the heavens. And I declare a halt on anything that holds back your blessing and that holds back 
the answers to the prayers that God has released upon your life. Every prince of Persia that stays in the second heavens, blocking the blessings of God and the answers to the prayers. The prayers you've been praying for your family. The prayers you've been praying for your academies. The prayers you've been praying for your marriage. The prayers you've been praying for your career. Let every prince of Persia be bound today in the name of Jesus. According to the word of God that says that when we bind on earth, it is bound in heaven. And when we lose on earth, it is loose in heaven. We lose every good thing that is in the hands of God that is yours today. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. Anything that holds you bound, anything that is a besetting sin in your life, we bind it and we cast it out of your life today. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. Every gifting that you desire, may the heavens be open and may it be released upon your life today. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as you have honored the anointing, as you have accepted the anointing, may the anointing work for you day, night, midnight, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. May the words that are preached to you come to life in your life. May the prophecies that are released upon your life come to light in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the glory of God break forth upon your life from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And I declare unto you that the glory of God shall be your right guard. Wherever you go, the Lord shall be with you. And he shall give his angels charge over you that you shall not dash your feet against a stone. A thousand shall fall by your side and ten thousand by your right hand side. And they shall not come nigh thee. Yes, the noisome pestilence will come, but they shall not come nigh thee. Outbreaks will come, but will not come nigh thee. Sicknesses will come, but will not come nigh thee. Financial losses will come, but you shall be exempted. And today, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the authority given unto me as Christ, by Christ, I apply the blood of Jesus to the doorpost and the lintel of your home, of your spirit, your soul, your body, your car, your bicycle, whatever mode of transport you have. And I declare that no accident shall befall you in the name of Jesus. The highways and the byways I declare safe for your sake in the name of Jesus. Every door that has been closed unto you, we speak to those doors according to the word of God. That lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Let doors that have been shut before you be open now. In the name of Jesus, begin to bless the name of the Lord. Just give God glory. Just begin to bless the name of the Lord. Lift up your voice and give him glory. Trust you have been blessed by this message. For information on how you can receive more teachings from the man of God, reach us on 024 873 